Record. Here we go. All right. Oh, we we were. Remember, all this is direct history. Oh, um, you know, especially in this world we we live in now, everybody's trying to push their agenda and fake news and all this kind of stuff. I mean, this is this is rock solid. Anyway, Genesis all the way to Revelation, and you know, uh, we've covered what we know about uh, in the Old Testament. We're jumping all the way to the New Testament here. And these books, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, they call them the four Gospels. They're basically biographies of Jesus, whatever you want to say, historic uh, stories written down about them. And so we're going to pick right up where we left off in Mark here. But before I do, there's a in Luke chapter 1, just gives you a heading. This is why it's, uh, look at that, Dear Friend Who Loves God. Several biographies of Christ. Yeah, Matthew and Mark. This is Luke and John have already been written using their source material, the reports circulating among us from the early disciples and other eyewitnesses. However, it occurred to me that it would be well to recheck all these accounts from first to last and after thorough investigation pass this summary on to you to assure you of the truth of all that you were taught. Now, let me switch that to the King James because it's like, what? I never heard that. Yeah, it's because in the King James language, for as much as many have taken in hand, gosh, to set forth in order a declaration, who talks like that? You know, mama said this is what you are supposed to buy when you go to the grocery store. No, let me put that in the King James language. Mama said for as much as in taking in forth in hand in order to declare the things on this shopping list, you know, it's the same thing. See that? The things which are so surely believed among us, even as they were delivered, even as they delivered him unto us. See, that even throws you off. It was conversation, but the King James says delivered, you know, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. Like, well, okay, I guess I got it. I'm just going to keep reading. Well, that would be smart. If you're reading the King James, just keep reading. You are certainly going to get the gist of it. All right, let's go back to the, anyway, to the living Bible here. Okay, so several biographies of Christ, right? Let's go all the way now to where we left off. So we were in the book of Mark, and what's interesting is we just saw what they said in Luke. All these things were written down, and I'm going to do a recheck of all these things. In the book of Mark, same stories are in Luke. So that'll give you some, you know, like I say, we, we have some confidence. That's the reason these uh, books were... Uh, uh, they made it to what we call our Bible today. Okay, so where we left off in Mark chapter 6, let's back up to the very end of chapter 6. He just fed the 5,000. Okay, and then, remember there it is, 5,000 in verse chapter 6, verse 44, 5,000 men were there. That's not even counting the kids. Okay, he told them all goodbye. Remember what happened? He got the disciples on the boat. He went up into the hills to pray. Well, anyway, they're in the middle of the lake. The disciples are, and oh my goodness, they're, they're in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. This is midnight, remember? It's dark, okay? Uh, they were in serious trouble, rowing hard against, struggling against the winds, and about three in the morning, you know, okay, he walked out to them and started past them, and they saw him, and they go, yeah, it's a ghost. Oh my gosh, okay. He said, it's all right. Now, when they got there, notice what happened. Look how the historic event is. They just fed the 5,000. Jesus went to pray. The boat goes across. Jesus walks across in the middle of the night. They're scared. Anyway, so when the morning came, they arrive at a place called Gennesaret, which was you know, right in the vicinity where he was not even a few weeks ago where the demon-possessed guy was. Now look what happened. The people recognized him, and they ran throughout the city you know, and began to get their notebooks so they could hear you know, and these great little spiritual stories. No, they brought their sick. 
You were going to get the spiritual stories, you know. I tell you, the gospel is getting people healed. It's very hard to get somebody saved if they know they're going to die in a few minutes, you know. They, and they're, or they're, they're not even going to come to your church, you know. They already got problems enough. Anyway, look at this. Wherever he went, cities, villages, out on the farms, did you catch the word wherever? They laid the sick in the marketplace, plaza and streets and begged him to at least... And begged him to let them at least touch the fringes of his clothes, and as many as touched him were healed. Look at that, as many as touched him. Wow. All right, here we go. So, one day, some Jewish religious leaders arrived from Jerusalem to investigate him. Now, I want to remind you that, remember, his, his brothers and his moms already distanced themselves from Jesus. Oh, yeah. The book of John brings that out. His disciples... I mean, his brother said, hey, why don't you go to Jerusalem? If you're trying to be somebody, you don't hide around, you know. And he said, nope, it's not my time yet. So they all went up to the feast, which took about two days to get there, okay, from Nazareth. And then, uh, but Jesus went up right behind him later. But anyway, the scripture says even his brothers didn't believe him. His mom was in that group too, you know. They catch on. But at this time... See, what really, if you go look, what really ticked off mom in, right after, remember the, the wedding, he turned the water into wine. Good job, son. Then all of a sudden, he cleared out that temple. Bad job, son. <laughs> you know, you shouldn't have done that one. Oh, no. Oh, God. Anyway, so it's amazing when you look at, you put all these things together. You don't have to be a preacher to, you just read your Bible. It's right there in front of us. Okay, so some days, some day later, Jewish leaders, uh, this is Mark 4, Mark 7, verse 1. They arrived from Jerusalem to, in, look at that, to investigate him. Notice that some of his disciples, they failed to follow the usual Jewish rituals before eating. Notice they didn't say follow the scriptures. For the Jews, especially the Pharisees, see, they were the strictest ones will never eat until they sprinkle their arms to the elbows as required by their ancient traditions. Now remember, Jesus is God. Look what he thinks about this. So when they came home from the market, they must always sprinkle themselves this way before touching any food. Okay. This is uh, but one of many laws and regulations they have clung to for centuries and still follow, such as the ceremony for cleansing pots, pans, and dishes. Okay. So the religious leaders asked him, why don't your disciples follow our age-old condition, uh, customs? For they, eat w- for they eat without first performing the, the washing ceremony. Remember, he already got jacked up because, too, they were saying, why didn't, you, uh, why didn't your disciples fast? Jesus had to deal with all this stuff. He, look what he says. Now, no, he called them hypocrites. You know, in America today, we have this uh, idea that, uh, that you... Um, you know, you, if you get angry, you're just not a Christian. That is, that is so dumb. Don't call people names. Ha oh, look at this. He called him hypocrite. Look at that. He said, Isaiah the prophet. See, now we know that book's been endorsed. Yeah. And you can't have Isaiah without that history because Isaiah chapter 1 says, during the, key, during the reigns of, um, most of these right, Ammon, Hezekiah, I know those two. Oh, and Uzziah, there's three, uh, three kings. So Jesus just endorsed all the history that took place during that time of Israel with that statement. Anyway, oh, he describes you very well. The people speak very prettily about the Lord, but they have no love for him at all. Their worship is a farce, for they claim that God's commands uh, the people to obey their petty rules. How right Isaiah was. Now, remember, he's not talking to a bunch of, shall we say, quote, sinners that go down to the bar and do all these things and whatever. No, he's talking to the people that are supposed to be church people. 
They're the worst ones. He says, for you ignore God's special order, specific orders and substitute your own traditions. You are simply rejecting God's laws and trampling them under your feet for the sake of your tradition. For instance, uh-oh, he's going to tell them what it was. Moses gave you this law, honor your father and mother. And he said, anyone who speaks against his father and mother must die. But you say it's perfectly all right for a man to disregard his needy parents, meaning there's a financial problem here, telling them, sorry, I can't help you, for I have given to God what I could have given to you. Good grief. Sounds like the political stuff going on in the United States. Gee. So you break the law of God in order to protect your man-made tradition. And this is only one example. There are many others. Then Jesus called the crowd to come and hear him. Now, now listen, he didn't, this is not days later. This is, they were upset he didn't wash his hands. Oh my gosh, he's unpure now. He says, everybody listen and try to understand. Your souls aren't harmed by what you eat. Oh my God, that's just a foul. What about kosher? What about this? Out the window. They're not harmed by what you eat, but by what you think and say. Then he went into the house to get away from the crowds, and the disciples asked him. See, it ain't even done yet. The disciples asked him what he meant by the statement he just made. You don't understand either? Can't you not see that what you eat won't harm your soul? Food doesn't come in contact with your heart, only passes through the digestive system. By saying this, look at this. He showed that every kind of food is kosher. Well, hello, when you and I read the book of Acts, the, the, remember the sheep coming down to Peter when he had a vision, and he saw those kind of creepy critters in there, and you don't ever touch those or eat those, and the Lord said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he goes, no, not so, Lord, I've never. And God said, don't call unclean what I have cleaned, you know, cleansed. But look at that, man. And then he added, it's the thought life that pollutes. Yeah, for within, out of men's heart comes evil thoughts of lust, theft, murder, adultery, wanting what belongs to others. See, things that the Pharisees could be guilty of but never be caught. In other words, all mankind. Lewdness, evil, slander, pride, and all other folly. All these vile things come from within, and they are what pollute you and make you unfit for the kingdom. You know. No, it's just smoking cigarettes. It's just... (laughs) No. Mm-mm. Then he left and he went to that region. Uh, now this is interesting. Watch this. This is the same story we saw in Matthew. Matthew has this and so does Luke. He left Galilee and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now if you go look at this and go figure where he was on a map and you find out this was a two-day walk. It's from here to Muscle Shoals basically, probably pushing three days. Can you walk that far? Tried to keep it a secret that he was there, but he couldn't. For as usual, the news of his arrival spread fast. Right away, a woman came to him whose little girl was possessed by a demon. She had heard Jesus about Jesus, and now she came and fell on his feet. She pled with him to release her child from the demon's control, but she was a Syrophoenician, a, despi- a despised uh, uh, Gentile. In other words, she wasn't a Jew. Well, you know what's going to happen. The daughter's going to get healed. Jesus told her, first, I've got to help my own family. Well, what's funny, that's not what he does. See, if we are serious with Jesus and say, I got to have help, he'll help you. He said, it isn't right to take the children's food, throw it to the dogs. Oh, she replied, that's true, sir. But even the puppies under the table are given some scraps from the children's plate. Good, he said. Look at that. You have answered well. So well, I've healed your... Oh, he wasn't even there. The girl's somewhere else. Well, see, Jesus is God. Go home. 
for the demon has left her. And when she arrived home, her little girl was lying quietly in bed and the demon was gone. From Tyre, he went to Sidon and it's over with. He left there. It looks like he went all that distance just to help that woman. Now, there was some obvious, there was, it said some other people up there, but wow. Notice this. He then came back to the Sea of Galilee by the way of the ten towns. That's where that demon-possessed guy was that the people said, get out of here. Look at this. But now look what's happened. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him. And everyone begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man and heal him. Jesus led him away from the crowd. And you know, of course, you already know what's going to happen. He put his fingers in the man's ears. Uh, then he spat, touched the man's tongue with a spittle. Then looked up to heaven and sighed and, and commanded, open. Instantly, the man could hear perfectly and speak plainly. Jesus told the crowd, don't spread the news for... The more he forbade, but the more he forbade him, the more they made it known. For they were overcome with utter amazement. And again and again, everything he does is wonderful. He even corrects deafness and stammering. We read the next chapter next year. No, we'll never get through. One day, about this time, another great crowd gathered. The people ran out of food again. Notice how it works. It's kind of like, well, he, he can only do this twice. No. Don't you remember the story? After he does, it's going to come up. After this story... They get in a boat and they head across the water. And Jesus says, hey, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. In other words, beware of the bread from the Pharisees. And the disciples have this, they go, we forgot to take an extra loaf of bread. Jesus is upset we ain't got no food. And Jesus says, and he brings this up, which is great. Because when you think of the the miracles, because it'll work for any miracle. If you just saw some healing miracles, those healings yours. We just saw him feed to 5,000. And so to finish off that story, they're in the water going across. And they think it's because they didn't bring any bread. Jesus is upset. And he goes, I cannot believe you think I'm worried about bread. And he asked this question. How many loaves were extra when we fed the 5,000? How many loaves were extra after the 4,000? He says, and you think I'm worried about that? In other words, it is a continual, don't ever worry. You know, you know I, I, I'm 60. And I remember... I remember sometimes, even here, I, I thought, how are we going to get the Christmas food? You know, because I'm like, oh, we're, and I'm like, ooh, the bank account's real, real low, and, uh, or whatever. And then other times, over the years at other places, you know, extra people showed up and stuff. Man, we've, we've had piles, there's always been piles of food. It's just, I, I've never seen a place here, and we, it, man. We always have just, and you got to know that the angels and Jesus are right there with you and there's always taking care of your food and stuff. Anyways, here we are. Another great crowd. So we've only seen it happen once. Here's the second time. Jesus calls his disciples, look at that, to discuss the situation. I pity these people. They've been here. Look at that. They've been three days and have nothing left to eat. If I send them home without feeding them, they'll faint along the road. For some of them have come a long distance. Oh boy, I mean, Jesus just painted the bad news picture, didn't he? Are we supposed to find food for them here in the desert? His disciples scoffed. That meant they were joking about it, okay. They weren't being ugly. Look at that. Jesus said, well, how many loaves of bread do you have? <laughs> how could they even think that what they carried was... And they go, well, seven. So he told the crowd to sit down. He took the seven loaves, thanked God for them, broke them into pieces, passed them to the disciples. The disciples placed them before the people. Uh, and I want to insert here, some people have the gall to sit there and say that, in other words, the whole group was a bunch of selfish people. And when Jesus was showing how he shared, everybody else shared, and that's how all these people were fed. In other words, it was no miracle. 
That's not the story. This would be an outright lie against that belief. Look at that. A few small fishes were found. So Jesus also blessed these and told the disciples to serve them. How can a few small feed everybody? Look at that. And the whole crowd ate until full, and afterwards they sent them home. There were about 4,000 people in the crowd that day, and when the scraps were picked up, which would also blow that story away, it wasn't people sharing. This stuff just showed up. Uh, There were seven large basketfuls left over. Immediately they got in the boat. See how the historic, this is just a big report. And they came to the region of Dalmanutha. When the local Jewish leaders learned of his arrival, they came to argue with him. Look what they did. Do a miracle for us, they said. Make something happen in the sky. Now watch this. Jesus will do a miracle for you anytime you need it, you know. But when you do this, you can forget it. Because, see, they're they're just mad. Do a miracle for us. Make something happen in the sky. Then we'll believe in you. Come down from the cross and we'll believe you. Remember the other thing they said to him? He was good at saving others, but himself he cannot save. Boy, that's a, forget the last part. We know what he was doing. He was dying for us, but they knew it. He was good at saving others. Praise, even the bad guys knew that. Anyway, he sighed deeply when he heard this and said, certainly not. <laughs> Look at this. How many more miracles do you people need? See, they, they didn't believe any of them anyway. So we get, look at that. He got back in the boat and left. Now that's just not Christian-like. Yeah, it is. When people treat you that way. Remember Jesus said when they don't receive you, what did he say do? He said, kick that dust off your feet and get out of there. You don't have to take it. We're losing some of our edge, you know, by not fighting back. Okay, here we go. Oh, here it is. Here, here's the story. So they got in the boat and left and crossed to the other side. Now remember, we're drinking this over coffee. This happened 2,000 years ago. How does this affect me? Well, watch. But the disciples had forgotten to stock up on food. Shame, 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 shame. You didn't have a spare tire in your car. Richard, your fault. You're stuck. I don't care if I don't even have four tires. I'm, matter of fact, Dustin and I were traveling with his friend yesterday. We were going somewhere. And we were talking about these things. And I said, I'm just so thankful that, you know, because I was quizzing this kid where he went to church. He went to church like this. He's only 28. Dustin's 30. And you just, anything goes wrong around Dustin. He's, pray, we're going to get out of this, you know. And I said, it's just, it's just a blessing to know that you can pray and get out of your problems. And, and uh, it, we know Jesus is there to help. In other words, our life with Christ is a reality. It's not we just show up to church and then we... We don't. I said, if if the, if Dustin's truck broke down right here, in the middle of this intersection, we wouldn't be going. Oh my God! I guess it's, it's just no. We'd all be looking for where the angels are because it's going to happen. It's going to show up. We're getting out of this mess. So here we go. The disciples forgot to stock up on food before they left, and they only had one loaf of bread in the boat. Now think about your life. You know, maybe you're behind on something financial. You're drinking coffee, and you're going, Oh God, whatever. As they were crossing, Jesus said to them very, very solemnly, notice he was serious, beware of the yeast of King Herod and of the Pharisees. And they go, what does he mean? The disciples asked each other. They finally decided he must be talking about their forgetting to bring bread. Oh yeah, Jesus is just, he's just critical, isn't he? Jesus realized they were dis- what they were discussing and said, no, that isn't it at all. Can't you understand? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? Your eyes are to see with. Why don't you look? In other words, just remember what we just did. We had nothing, and I fed the 4,000. 
Don't you remember anything at all? Boy, that is so key. And we need to all remember stuff too. And that's the reasons the psalmist would write and said, remember, 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 you know. You know, and then, and we came along, whoever that was, years later and wrote a nice hymn, count your blessings, name them one by one. Remember this little, sounds corny, but it's good. Then your worries will be gone, you know. Anyway, what about the 5,000 men I fed and the five loaves of bread? Well, that was just to prove you're the Messiah. Oh, that's the reason we're not getting any help today. How many times have you run out of gas? I mean, last time I run out of gas, I was, I couldn't believe I forgot first thing. But then I did what I was telling you. I was sitting there going, I was just one eye open going, there's an angel here somewhere. And here a guy come in a golf cart. You know, and all I did was I said, hey, he was at an apartment complex. He was a maintenance guy. I said, and the gas station was across the back of the, it was about, it was about 500 yards away. And I was laughing. I said, you wouldn't happen to have a gas can. I said, I'm just going to walk across there. He goes, yeah, over there in the utility room over there. I got five or six of them. Grab one there. I said, thank you. I couldn't believe it. I ran out at a place where, I mean, really, it was just, I'd go get the gas can and walk across the back of the parking lot and go to the gas. <sighs> Amazing. No, that isn't it at all. Can't you understand? Okay, we got that part. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, how many scraps did you take up? Twelve, they said. And when, they fed the, and when I fed the 4,000, how many were left over? Seven. So do you see already? They're, they're keeping track of those stories. Yeah. Look at this. I love this. And yet you think I'm worried <laughs> we have no bread. <laughs> he was trying to explain about watch out for Herod. Anyway, when they arrived at Bethsaida, when you say New Hope, it's just a town. Some of the people brought a blind man. Wait, but they just had a blind man. Yeah, this is normal. Remember the Bible says that Isaiah prophesied the, the opening eyes of the blind. Man. They begged him to touch him and heal him. Now notice Jesus could have said here, now wait a minute. Y'all are pushing it here. Can't get ahead of God. Do you see any of that here? Jesus said, keep praying until the answer comes. Don't ever give up. Jesus took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the village, just like the other one. Spat in his eyes, laid his hands on him. Can you see anything? Now watch this. This is very interesting. Now don't add anything. Some people say, well, sometimes we need a second touch from God. Oh, this was not preacher stuff. This was history. You've got to get well. Watch this. Can you see anything now? The man looked around and said, yeah, I see men, but I can't see them. Clearly, they look like tree trunks. Well, that's close enough. <laughs> You've got a cross you have to bear. No, uh-uh, that's not good enough. Look at that. Jesus didn't even ask him, can I do this again? He, that was not good enough. Jesus placed his hands over the man's eyes again. As the man stared intently, his sight was completely restored. He saw everything clearly, drinking in the sights around him. Praise God. Jesus sent him home to his family. He didn't say, now sit down. Let me teach you a little bit about the way you've been treating women in your life. And you've got a brother you've not been happy with, and you haven't forgiven him in 25 years. And oh, Come on. We make all that stuff up. Our own heart, and it's the Lord, he helps us in those areas. He does so Jesus sent him home. Don't even go back to the village first. Jesus and disciples now left Galilee. Luke could just follow this. And, and matter of fact, the back of some of your old Bibles, if you look, it'll show the, the route that Jesus took. It shows Paul's route, whatever. Jesus and his disciples, they now left Galilee. They went to the village of Caesarea Philippi. 
as they were walking along, he asked them, who do the people think I am? What are they saying about me? Well, some of them think you're John the Baptist. Because remember, at this time, John had got killed. Herod killed him. Okay. The disciples replied, well, others are saying you're Elijah. Well, he's a fairy tale guy, isn't he? No, he's not. Mm -mm. Or some other ancient prophet come back to life again. Well, he said, well, who do you think I am? Well, Peter replied, you're the Messiah. But Jesus warned them not to tell anyone. Then he began to tell them, look at this, about the terrible things he would suffer and that he would be rejected by the elders and the chief priest and, and other Jewish leaders and be killed and that he would rise again three days afterward. Now, just remember, act like we don't know anything about the resurrection. We, we're, we're, we're here with him. Jesus is just blowing everything out of the water and all of a sudden he's saying he's going to get killed. But now he said he was going to come back to life. He talked quite frankly with them. So what does that mean? He was just... You, <laughs> if we heard it, we probably would have acted the same way. Said, Man, I don't get this. I don't know what he's saying. What is all this stuff about him dying? He talked quite frankly with them. Now, remember what happened? Peter's going to say, look, Peter took him aside and even chided him. Said, oh, no, no, no. You shouldn't say things like that, he told Jesus. <gasps> Jesus turned and looked at his disciples. And then he said to Peter, very, he wasn't happy, was he? Satan, get behind me. You are looking at this only from a human point of view and not from God's. Boy, well, I thought it was Peter. Where did the devil come from? Well, he, <laughs> he was there, wasn't he? Then he called his disciples and the crowds to come over and listen. Look at this. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must put aside your own pleasures and shoulder your cross and follow me closely. If you insist on saving your life, you will lose it. Only those who throw away their life, if you lose your life, you'll find it. Okay. Notice he said, follow me closely. He didn't say, yeah, give up that beer, give up that cigarettes, and give up. No. Mm -mm. If you insist on saving your life, you're going to lose it. Only those who throw away their lives, look at that, for my sake and the sake of the good news, will ever know what it means to really live. Now, remember, it's not of, you better, by golly, Repent from sin and repent from this. I mean, we could just make our own list, and we do a lot of times. Well, if I can just, if I just stop that. No. Give your life for the Lord's sake and the sake of the good news. It, it wouldn't be called good news if it was something you earn. Good news is like that stupid bunch in, on top of Brindley Mountain. Good news. You don't have to sin anymore. Oh, you're really going to get a long way with that. Good news. If you sin, you're going to hell. Whatever. Gee. Anyway, how does the man benefit if he gains the whole world and loses his soul in the process? Is there anything worth more than his soul? Uh, anyone who's ashamed of me and my message in these days of unbelief and sin, I, the Messiah, will be ashamed of him when I return in the glory of my Father with the holy angels. Boy, he said a lot there. He said he's coming back. He's implying he's going to be gone. Wow. And he's just talking about... If you're ashamed of him. Notice he didn't say, well, you know, if you rob a bank and you did this. No, we're not going to rob banks or anything like that. But he's talking about being ashamed of him. Not giving up something. Yeah, that's what we've made out of the gospel. All right, we're going to stop here at the end of nine. Okay. Jesus went on to say to his disciples, some of you who are standing right here will now, right now will live to see the kingdom of God arrive in great power. And that's like, uh, but see, we have it backwards when we think the kingdom is going to be like when the thousand-year reign or when we all get to heaven. 
No. It, when Jesus rose from the dead, whoa. Remember, he said, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom, but he didn't say, well, they're not going to work for a while. You've got to wait until another dispensation. <laughs> no, he's giving you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Now watch this. This just happened. Notice, notice the phrase. Jesus went on to say, now they only put nine there, chapter nine, to help us find stuff. It's still the same story. Remember, he said, you better, uh, you know, if you're going to lose your life, lose it for me, okay? Uh, then you'll find it. So six days later, look at that time frame. Once upon a time. No, it's not once upon a time. It was six days later. He took Peter, who he just called the devil. Remember that? James and John. So there's four of them, right? We're counting four. To the top of a mountain. Look at that. No one else was there. Man, today we'd have to have it on, on TV. It'd be televised. And we'd have to have, we wouldn't even do it if we couldn't get a big crowd. No. Well, we, we just got four of us here this morning. Look at this. Suddenly, his face began to shine with glory. What's up with this? You're scaring me. And his clothes became dazzling white, far more glorious than any earthly process could ever make it. Whoa. Then Elijah, they just spoke about him. And Moses appeared and began talking with Jesus. When you're dead, you're dead. No, you're not. You leave here, you're somewhere else. You're very much alive. Look at that. Elijah was alive. Moses was alive. They began talking to Jesus. And I always like to point out, remember, this guy could not go to the promised land. He's in there now. <laughs> but he couldn't go. At the day he died, he couldn't go. Teacher, this is wonderful, Peter exclaimed. We will make three shelters here, one for each of you. He, was just to be, he said this just to be talking for. He didn't know what else to say, and they were all terribly frightened. I guess so. Uh, John... I thought there was just four of us that came up here. <laughs> we just got two visitors show up. And what's going on with Jesus' face? Man, see, they saw his glory. First John chapter 1, uh, John speaks of this right here. We saw his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, that was actually John's gospel, chapter 1. Anyway, uh, while he was still speaking these words, a cloud covered them, blotting out the sun, and a voice from the cl cloud said, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Now, he didn't say, Shut up. I've, some, I've heard so many preachers just crazy. This was a good news. John wrote about this. We heard his voice in the holy mount. That's what he said. We heard that voice up there. Woo! We saw his face shine. John wrote about this. And all of a sudden, this cloud comes over. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Then suddenly they looked around and Moses and Elijah were gone. Only Jesus was with him. And of course his clothes went back to, woo, went back to normal. As they descended the mountainside, mountainside, he told them never to mention what they had seen until, look at that, till after he had risen from the dead. Now remember, they were like, what is this? So they kept it to themselves, but often talked about it and wondered what he meant by rising from the dead. Now they began asking him some questions about something, about something the Jewish religious leaders often spoke about, that Elijah must return before the Messiah must come. Jesus agreed, yeah, Elijah's got to come first and prepare the way, and that in, he had, in fact, already came. <gasps> and that he'd been terribly mistreated, just as the prophets had predicted. Then Jesus asked them, Oh, what the prophets could have, excuse me. Then Jesus asked them what the prophets could have been talking about when they predicted the Messiah would suffer and be treated with contempt. Contempt. Okay. At the bottom of the mountain, 
Anyway, the other books actually tell us that Jesus said he was, he's referring here to John the Baptist. Jesus said so. Anyway, at the bottom of the mountain, look at this. What is this story after story for? They found a great crowd surrounded by the other nine disciples as some of the Jewish leaders. Now, these are the bad guys again. That's what started it, argued with him. The crowd watched and Jesus in awe as he came toward them. And then they ran to greet him. What's the argument all about? He asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son to heal for you to heal. He cannot talk because he's possessed by a demon. And whenever the demon is in control of him, it dashes him to the ground, makes him foam with the mouth, grind his teeth. Boy, he's got the details, doesn't he? Yeah. So I begged your disciples to cast out the demon, but they couldn't do it. Yep. Long as you say no, you can forget it. Notice what Jesus said right here. He didn't say, well, you know, boy, this, is, it, this really requires me. No, look what he said. And he even said to his disciples, Oh, what tiny faith you have. How much longer must I be with you until you believe? How much longer must I be patient with you? Bring the boy to me. Now remember, he gave them power. Well, let me just watch this. Look at this 10th chapter here. Oh, let's see. Uh, oh, well, excuse me. But anyway, but it's, it's, it, it was early on. Let's look at Matthew real quick. Matthew 10. Matthew 10, let's see. Let's see if he left something out. Matthew 10, verse 1, he called his 12, gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of sickness and disease. That was all evil spirits. I mean, it wasn't partial. It was all of them. All right, let's go back to, to Mark. Mark 9. All right. Wherever we're right here. Here we go. So, no wonder Jesus is saying, why do I have to do this? Bring him to me. So they brought the boy, but when Jesus saw... Uh, excuse me. But when he saw Jesus, the demon convulsed the child horribly and fell to the ground, withering uh, and foaming at the mouth. How long has he been this way? Jesus asked his father. And he replied, since uh, he was very small and the demon often makes him fall into the fire and into the water to kill him. Look at this. Oh, have mercy on us, on us and do something if you can. And there's where the problem lies. See, look how Jesus points it out. If I can. Anything's possible if you have faith. Now look at this. Now remember, the kids, the kids acting up on the ground. The father instantly replied, I do have faith. Oh, help me have more. All right. When Jesus saw the crowd was growing, he rebuked the demon. Oh, demon of deafness and dumbness. I command you to come out of the child and never enter him no more. Then the demon screamed terribly and convulsed the boy again and left him. The boy lay there limp and motionless. Oh, to all appearance dead. A murmur ran throughout the crowd. He is dead. Jesus took him by the hand, helped him to his feet. He stood up and was all right. Afterwards, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him oh, why we couldn't cast, him, cast the demon out. Jesus replied, cases like this require prayer. Oh, and notice this, it says, and some of them say they added, oh, they added fasting, but it's not in the ancient ones. Let me back up and show you this in Matthew's gospel. This is Matthew, I don't know where it is, let's get Matthew. It's Matthew 17. Same story, watch this. Here they go, six days later, they're on the mountain. Remember, they didn't have internet, TV, they had nothing. How'd they get this six days right? That's because it's an actual event. All right, so that took place, that took place. Uh, here we go. So have mercy on me, uh, they, my disciple, your disciples couldn't cure him. You, look at he calls them, stubborn and faithless. All right. Why couldn't we cast out the demon? Look at that. 
because of your little faith. For if you had faith, even as as small as a tiny mustard, you could say to this mountain, move, and it would go far away. Nothing would be impossible. Now notice verse 21. But this kind of demon doesn't move unless he's perfect. Look at at that note right there. This verse, it wasn't even there. It wasn't even there in the original manuscripts. What was Jesus really upset about? Your faith. So you always get, you get, a, you get a way out if you think, well, I guess sometimes some demons are just tough. <laughs> don't fall for that. Don't fall for that. You stand there and don't take no for an answer. Whatever's going on. Okay, let's, let's go back to Mark here. Mark's gospel. Mark 9 finishes out. I mean, Jesus the whole time spent, he, he, he said, he told the dad it was, if you can believe, he didn't say, well, look, this, these demons are tough. I'm trying to show how great I am. These, these demons are tough. Nah, Mm-mm. I don't buy it. Anyway, all right, where we leave off? Okay, all right. Leaving that region, jeez, it's history, isn't it? Yeah, they went through Galilee where he tried to avoid all publicity in order to spend more time with the disciples and teach them. He would say, I, the Messiah, oh my gosh, look at this. I'm going to be betrayed and killed, and three days later, I'm going to return to life. But they didn't understand and were afraid to ask him what he meant. Okay, I'm about done. Here we go. And so they, so they arrived at Capernaum when they were settled in the house where they were, where, they were, uh, where they were to stay. He asked them, what were you discussing on the road? But they were ashamed to answer. What were they doing? They, that's all right. They, they, sweet home Alabama was good. They were arguing about which one of them was the greatest. He sat them down. Look what he did. Anyone wanting to be the greatest must be, must, excuse me, must, must be the least the servant of all. Then he placed a little child among them and taking a child in his arms, he said, anyone who welcomes a little child like this in my name is welcoming me and anyone who welcomes me is welcoming my father who sent me. Wow. You know, this Christianity walk is the easiest thing in the world. One of his disciples, uh, John, told him one day, teacher, hey, we saw somebody using your name to cast out demons, and we told him to cut it out. You better stop that. Jesus said, don't forbid him. Wow. You know what that means? If you've got trouble in your life, too, don't sit there and wait. Don't call me or ask somebody. You get out there and do it, too. Nobody doing miracles the key in my name. That's that name. The name of Jesus is so powerful. Doing miracles in my name will quickly turn against me. Anyone who isn't against us is for us. Anyone who gives uh, as much as a cup of water because you are Christ, I say this solemnly, he won't lose his reward. But if someone causes one of these little ones, talking about that little kid, who believes in me to lose his faith, it would be better that a huge millstone were tied around his neck and thrown into the sea. We're about done here. Look at this. If your hand does wrong, cut it off. Better to live forever with... Uh, one hand than to be thrown in unquenchable fires of hell with two. If your foot carries you toward evil, cut it off. Better to be lame than to live forever than have two feet to carry you to hell. If your eye is sinful, gouge it out. Better to enter into the kingdom of God half blind than have two eyes and see the fires of hell where the worm never dies and the fire never goes out where all are salted with fire. Good salt is good. Excuse me. Good salt is worthless if it loses its saltiness. It can't season itself. Don't lose your savior, your, your your flavor. Live in peace with everyone. Now, did you see? He's talking about living with people. He had that child. And, hey, he's not talking about gouging your eye out, taking your foot off something. It's it's your relationships. If you you better, you got to cut that out. You know, we're gonna be, be in a heck of a mess if we start cutting ourselves up. You know, oh my gosh. Well, I'm, 
Notice, live at peace with one another. All right, we're going to stop right there. Then he left Capernaum. Okay. Father, we just thank you for your word today. Lord, we just thank you. If we're not feeling good, we've seen uh, two blind people get healed. We've seen a demon-possessed boy get fixed and another demon-possessed daughter get fixed. And you'll take care of that. Praise God. Same thing's true financially because you fed the 5,000 and the 4,000 and you were told to remember that. So, Lord, you'll take care of us. And if it's some other problem, great or small, oh, you're good at saving us. You'll get us out. So, Lord, that doesn't leave anything left but for us to keep records and tell others what great things you've done for us like keeping my car from going across the street. Praise God. Anyway, just thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Okay.